How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. He's Mike Youngers and he's next. And now, from the legendary Studio B. So you're in Seattle with Gregor. It's awesome when you run into people that you have no idea that they have like another life, how they pay the bills sometimes, where they come from, their upbringing. Just passing Mike in the hall, I was like, what do you want? What do you do, man? What's your thing? How do you make money when you're not here? He told me his family's in the auctioning business, auctioneering business, rather. That's awesome. I don't even know what that. I just assume he goes. Five dollars burrito sold to five dollars to that stupid ginger beard guy. Turns out there's a whole lot more to it than that, and that I just probably really insulted him by being an idiot. This thing's being a real pain in the ass today because, you Fantastic. know, radio station technology. How are you feeling about that? Are you feeling good? Feeling good. Yeah. Feeling right. Like a chick magnet shirt. That's fun. Right? <laughs> it's one of my favorites. <laughs> I always love having the, the, the wacky shirt going on. Um, are you, uh, do you commute up here every day? I do. From where? Uh, Enumclaw. Oh, wow, Enumclaw, man. Enumclaw, Washington. There are some days, there are, those are the rare occasion where I can actually find parking at that very minimal parking garage down at the uh, the bus station in, in Auburn. But most of the days I'm I'm uh, driving all the way up. Here. Do you check that first? Do you like go to Auburn to be like, hey, is there? Any I parking? used to check it a lot more, but then there are days where it's like, you know what, I'm running kind of late, so I'm just gonna bypass uh, and go straight up. Just out. being defeated. Yeah. What is your official gig right now within Intercom? Within Intercom, I am working uh, for the men's room on KISW. Uh, I am their call screener, their audio producer, and their news guy. Oh, cool. I, I read the news at five thirty. <laughs> Do you write the news also? Uh, no, I, I find other stories and then I kind of put yeah. my own spin on it. So sure, sure. Of course. But I'm, I'm not doing any kind of journalism or anything like that. Now I know you because you used to wander around here just doing street team stuff yep. and like just hanging out. And that's like the story of like many a radio person is that you start off just on that promotions it, team. But it's, it's funny cause you're one of those faces that even when I didn't, I couldn't like remember your name and stuff. You were just always around. I would see you all the time. <laughs> and so like, but you take notice of that when well, you run into a guy. Right. That's absolutely right, man. So, it's um. There's like a people ask me all the time how you get into the ra- how do you get into radio, and I'm just go, just, show up, yeah, just show up and don't be a dick. Exactly. <laughs> just like be cool for once so. and like and just hustle, man. Yeah, be I, quiet uh, about it. I I actually was the men's room intern uh, for a few months, and you know. And what was weird is they actually liked the way that I, that I was their intern. They liked the work that I was putting in, and it didn't make sense because they told me stories of other interns that they had that they would sit in there in the, in the office and just be on their phone the entire time. They wouldn't. It's like a, a teacher told me when I was just getting started that internships are our job ap- applications. Yeah, you know, use that to your advantage. That, that is free time for you to be in a professional setting with people that you want to be with. And so I just I worked my tail off, and then they and then they said, yeah, you should join the street team. And I did that, and I just kind of hung around, and I and I started doing some overnights, uh, watching watching the board during the holiday season, and 
here I sit. This is a classic story of how yeah. people get into radio, uh, specifically at a in a top 100 market. Like that's uh, yeah. To explain, the market size is done by listenership and the region of the metropolitan area, that type of stuff, right? Right. And so if you're in a top 100, top 75 market, like even though it might be. Tucson, Arizona, or whatever that might you might not consider that a big market or whatever. It's still harder to get into than say like a little like Duluth or something. Exactly, like that. Des Moines, Iowa. You yeah, know? yeah, that's like got to be a tougher one to get into. And right. so uh, Reno, Nevada is like market one fifty or something like that. That one's a little probably a little easier. You apply yourself a little harder. Right. But it's crazy because if you just hang out around here. And you show a little initiative that yeah. goes a long way because it's a bunch of slackers. We're all a bunch of slackers. Exactly. Everybody's that, hanging back, drinking beers. Nobody cares. Yeah, looking to like have a job out of it. And so, like, if if you can impress the other slackers by doing anything, they're oh wow. So get off your damn phone when you're interning exactly. at a place like this and just do something. And it's not that hard. You just put your mind to it and you just start working. And then, like you said, they take notice of it. After a while, it's like that guy's been walking around here an awful lot. You know, I got one upstairs that that I've noticed. She's been around just. She showed up one day and then she just quit not showing up. She was just always there. So and I and now I think she's on the uh, the the promo, uh, like the in office promotions team upstairs. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, it sure. Is a promotion team. Yeah. yeah, you know it. Yeah, they're doing some office work and just trying to make some hours and getting paid all of a sudden. That's right. Yeah, it's crazy, dude. That's right. So. Uh, the reason why I you piqued my interest for something other than just being a good dude and like hanging out and being right on. pleasant um, <laughs> is that uh, we had a conversation at some point around the way and yeah, I was did. like, so what's your thing? And you're like, oh well, my dad's an auctioneer, and so I'm in, my my family's in the auctioneering business, right? And, I, and I'm you blew my mind because <laughs> I've never that's how I have a comfort behind the microphone. Uh, and which is fantastic because you've, I'm sure you've developed a lot of. And that's a different thing when you get behind the sure. radio microphone. It's yeah, and here a new I'm game. talking to you, yeah. which could eventually make make its way out to millions of people. But they're not all in front of me. I can't see their judging faces. Yeah, so, right. But uh, there's a certain sort of comfort in that, I would imagine. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I had gotten on the auction block a couple times before I got into radio. And I stepped into the into the studio for the first time, sat down, and of course I was shaking like everybody else who started radio, just terrified. And I had my little sheet, and I'm looking at it, and I read it out, and I was like, "There's nobody here to tell me." I did. Oh, all right. Do you ever feel like a crazy person because you're telling jokes to yourself? A little bit. When you tell a joke and there's no laughter, that does get awkward. But you know. It's a, it's, a, it. it's a weird business that when we're crazy people in tiny rooms talking to ourselves, exactly. it's very strange. But and they wonder why we go nuts. Okay, so is it? Am I accurate in saying that it's a family history that you guys that that's the family business? Absolutely, sort of? absolutely. It it, uh, it all started with my grandfather, who has unfortunately passed a couple months ago. Uh, but he uh, uh, listened to a song, and I don't know if you've ever heard it before. It's called the Auctioneer Song. Okay. It's online. Yeah, you got to write that one down. It's 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 an old song, but it's a fun song, and he listened to it, and he absolutely loved it, and decided that he wanted to become an auctioneer because of it. How, what are we talking here? Like, what, what? Give me an era. Oh, forties, fifties, something like that. So he was kind of a young guy and decided that's yeah. what he wanted to do. That's, okay, that's right. He yeah, his it wasn't dad, like a change of heart at seventy one. He was like, I'm going to be an auctioneer. That's right. His dad was a wor- uh, woodworker, and he just he didn't feel that at all, and he decided he wanted to be an auctioneer. And I don't quite know his story. That's that's my bad, unfortunately. But he did eventually own his own auction barn. Uh, he sold furniture. He sold cattle. He sold cars. He sold all manner of things. And then from there, the tree just started branching out. It started with his son, my father, who uh, uh, started started learning to become an auctioneer. 
auctioneer, uh, and he was really the, the first one to, to move into the auctioneering business, but then his sister became an auctioneer, and then his nephew on the other side of, of his family became an auctioneer, and now here I sit as an auctioneer. Uh, I started as a ringman. I've got like two other ringmen that are within my family, and then two or three other people that have been clerks and, and financial managers of auction industries, so... My family has completely enveloped this industry, so it's hard to kind of go around anywhere within the Northwest that hasn't heard of of our name as, as far as auctions. Oh, that's so! You just said a million things that now I need to know about because um, I guess Ask I never, I, I guess I never really thought about what the purpose of in the '40s and '50s what the purpose of an auction would be. Oh, like what? Why would I? What, it, it doesn't have to be back in that day. Like when you said auction barn, was it the type of thing where the community would come by and there was an auctioneer's barn and yes, you bring your stuff there and everyone would gather on the third Saturday of the month? That to, is exactly right. You know, you got an old couch that you that you need to get rid of, but you spent a lot of money on it. And you don't want to throw it away, and you know that there's still value left in it. Then you take it to the auction barn. The auctioneer is used for items that that um, create a demand. You know, you can't go into Walmart with an auctioneer and just have him go because there's so many different things of so many different there, there's so much variety of so many different things that there's no point to have an auctioneer. But if, you know, uh, uh, this water bottle here, this this one is a unique water bottle. It's got the stickers that I put on it. It's got the color that I chose. This is a unique now granted it's easily replicated, but sure. it is a unique water bottle, okay? This is what you would auction off because more than one person could say I want this. So the point of an auctioneer is to sell to the highest bidder. You know, uh, uh, and this is going to get sketchy, but back in the day, it was used for slavery. Oh, yeah, I can only imagine. Right, like, slavery and cattle and livestock and all that kinds of things where they they are different on a case-by-case basis. Whereas you'd pay twelve, you know, uh, $120 for this one, you'd only pay about $95 for this one. This guy's stronger than that that guy, or this exactly. guy knows. This one's going to produce more milk, or this one's going to, I'm talking about cows. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for the clarification. As soon as I started talking, I was like, wait a minute, he's not talking about cows. Yeah, but this this one's going to be a better beef cattle. This one's going to be a good good for plowing. This one's, so. This car's got the original headers. Exactly. That type of thing. This car's a classic. This car's a junker. This, yeah. Well, okay, so. How much of that requires you to be an expert on the item versus a BSer oh, about what you're talking about? Absolutely. Now, if, yeah. In order to be an auctioneer in whatever industry that you're in, there's actually many different auctioneers. There's cattle auctioneers, there's auto auctioneers, there's furniture auctioneers, there's charity auctioneers, there's uh, real estate auctioneers, there's antique auctioneers. And so uh, whatever market that you decide to go into, yes, you do need to be very knowledgeable, especially the quote-unquote professional markets, which are basically anything other than than like real estate or a charity auction where people are just going there to kind of get a buy or get a steal. Whereas you know, in like the auto auction industry or the cattle auction industry – where these guys are doing business, trying to actually make a living off of what you are selling them, they they know their product very well, and they will take advantage of somebody that doesn't know their product. Oh, wow. So yeah, you do, and and if you don't know, then you need to have somebody next to you that does, be it an MC, be it a representative, a car dealer, a, a cattle dealer, somebody like that. I mean, so can you BS your way through part of it? I mean, absolutely. Can you, okay, <laughs> so you say that you say that you got to be a uh, you got to be super knowledgeable about your thing, but you also got to be able to spin a yarn a little bit. Exactly, and you got to know when to when to not hang on things that you can't hang on to. What do you mean? Like when you're describing a car. If you don't know anything about the car, it's got 200,000 miles on it. It's an 04 model. What do you got to get for it? 
and away you go. Okay. <laughs> wow. Do you ever are you ever just like looking at the thing and picking up on details as your like stream of consciousness? Absolutely. Like- yeah. If if you're trying to sell an item and it is not bringing what it needs to bring, then yes, your your observation of what it is will will help in that situation. You know, you say, "Come on, guys, it's got like you said, it's got the original headers on it. It's got it's still got the 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 tires are all still good on it. It's it, the original miles. Nothing's been done to it. The engine hasn't been changed." And then that the information that you bring could potentially raise the bid. Wow. The only capacity that I can really think of much auctioning is like kind of like a... I don't know. It's kind of like the standard guy talking fast and pointing to people and going, oh, but 500, you know, that type Common of thing. misconception, yeah. Yeah, right. But that's, that's these... I guess that's the the stereotype or the exactly the trope of what it is that that's your character. Mm-hmm. Um, I've only ever really paid attention to um, Barrett Jackson. Mm-hmm. I'm a big race cars fan and stuff, and so after the Formula One race or whatever, Barrett Jackson will come on, or it used to. Now it's different, but uh, yeah. that that'll come on. They got a bunch of different. And the next thing and- you know, like I'm looking at, I'm looking at some like fancy yellow Corvette, and I don't give a crap about a Corvette, but I'm just listening to some guy talk about it, and mm-hmm. it's not that rapid-fire thing. Is there an industry out there still? Is there an auction industry out there that still uses kind of a rapid-fire, like, uh, that, that sort of hustle? Oh, absolutely. The, the thing is with the Barrett-Jackson is because it's got such a public uh, uh, a public interest, they do need to slow it down a little bit because other than no, nobody can understand the auctioneer. And the people that are buying are not professional buyers. They're collectors. So they're not they're not people that are going to try and make a living off of what they're buying at the Barrett Jackson. So you do get that ground. I've got two hundred thousand dollars. Somebody give two hundred to ten. Right? It's gonna be it's gonna be a very grand thing. Whereas when you get to the auto auction industry, where these these are dealers where they need to sell the cars that they buy uh, this weekend, then you're gonna get that fourteen not one but a bit not one and not two but a bit not three and not one but a bit not five 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 but a bit not five sold out fourteen four. Okay, now and then they move on to the next. Now slow that down. What you just did right there, <laughs> unless unless it's secrets that you don't want to share. Slow that down and tell me what you were saying. Really? I used two fillers, or as they called it in school, dirts, which is, but I gotta be, but I have, but I've got to be, or uh, but I bid. And that's and that's the whole thing, is that with the auction, with auctioneering, it is so much more about tempo and rhythm than it is with what you're saying and how you're saying it. Wow. You know, as because when when those those hip hop things came out, which, which you saw, I know that you saw, yeah, those, yeah, 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 those, those are... cattle auctioneers with with the with the hip hop beats behind them, that proved the point that auctioneering is so much more about rhythm. Yeah, you listen to these guys. And... So wait to, to to point out what you're saying right now. It's a video where there's an auctioneer, and then someone went back and added like either a rap beat or an EDM beat to it. So it's so that way it, it's almost like he's performing like a hip hop song with a auctioneer spitting game real fast. There. Exactly. Exactly. So your tempo can be fast, your tempo can be slow, but as long as you keep that tempo, then it just keeps on going. Wow, that's crazy. So, dude. Uh, and and you'll find that it, with the good auctioneers that you listen to, you can actually find their tempo. There's one that works at the auto auction that I work at, where every time I hear him, I just I start bouncing because he's got such a rhythmic and bouncy chant to him that you can't help but just kind of dance to it a little bit. God, that's so cool. What's your family's business uh, in terms of auctioning? What type of auctions do you guys do? Oh, well. That's kind of hard to explain. <laughs> okay. Uh, we 
my my dad, who's who's really the the big auctioneer, he is he's he does uh, auto auctioneering uh, mo- for most of the time. That's that's where that's where he gets his regular paycheck from. And then the the part that's really got the entire family interested and into is the charity auction side of it. But the thing is that the charity auctions only come in on weekends, and there's about two different seasons for weekends. There's a lot of fall auctions, and there's a lot of spring auctions. Sure, like for instance, I went to the Seattle Humane uh, Charity Benefit thing, Tuxes mm-hmm. and Tails, and they're trying to get people to give $100,000. Exactly. And, and so there's a guy up there with his fancy wingtip shoes up there being like, all right, do I hear anyone else for $100,000? Exactly. Yeah, okay. Go out there at 7 o'clock at night on a Saturday in fall or spring, sure. which is the perfect time to go because it's either raining, it's probably raining outside, so nobody wants to be outside all that much, whereas yeah. in the fall or, or in the summer, everybody's outside, or in the uh, in the winter, nobody wants to go out, period. So, sure. Uh, uh, but that's really the fun side of it. Uh, I've been taking part in in charity auctioneering since I was 13 years old. But I've been the ringman. I've been that guy that's running out on the floor just shouting, "Yeah, yep! okay." So, so yeah, yeah. So there's like a there's a bunch of terminology. We'll get to that here in a minute, actually. Sure, but sure, so, sure. so so dad makes the money off of the um, auto auctioneering. Now, does that mean growing up that when you needed a ride that you had a angle to go for? <laughs> Unfortunately, no. Okay. Unfortunately, no, because that is a wholesale car auction. It is a dealers only. Only dealers get to buy and it is really frowned upon and in fact almost yeah, they say don't uh, auctioneers do not buy off off of the block. Okay. So, because the people are trying to make a living both the dealers and the auctions. So, so you, you got a reputation to uphold that. That's right. So when you say okay, so dealers come in and they're are they buying bulk cars or is it yeah. car at a time or uh, they they are buying it a car at a time. They buy the cars that go across the block, but they generally buy themselves like a what, fleet of cars. What's the block? The block. See, that's the thing. As I as I said this to somebody else and they they had no idea what it meant. Uh, I work I work at a at a car auction that has ten different lanes. 10 different lanes that they can run cars through, and they wow. do. At the same time, they are running 10 cars through, just like you see at the Barrett-Jackson. Yeah. They have that car come out, and he sits in front of the stand with the auctioneer on it. That is called the block. He is standing there on his on his block, up at his podium, up at his microphone, and he is selling the, the car. As soon as the car is done, the car rolls out, and then the next one comes up. We have 10 lanes doing that all at the same time. How many auctioneers? 10 auctioneers. Oh, wow. So when one guy's done, the next just ra- rapid fire to the next vehicle? Or? Oh, uh, the thing is, they are all selling at the same time. This isn't the okay, lane one's on, now lane two's on. This is. Then you would just need one lane, I guess. Exactly. We are selling like 1,100 cars amongst 10 lanes in just a matter of hours. So we need to get those things cranking through. Wow. So does, like, how did the. Different dealerships monitor ten lanes. Well, they 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 are printed out a list of of cars that are running through the sale. They figure out which cars that they're going to want and where they need to go to find that car. And then they do have little screens up that say, "Hey, lane two is on car number fifty six. Lane three is on car number fifty eight, and so uh, so on and so forth. And is then, this how I end up like when I go used car shopping when I'm there and they like, "Oh, we got this this one that just rolled in. Mm-hmm. They just came from an auction where mm-hmm. they picked up ten different cars, and mm-hmm. then now they're." That is absolutely right. They picked up all these cars at, at a at a used car auction. It's not, not just trade ins. Well, not, not necessarily not necessarily a used car auction, but but a wholesale car auction. It's trade ins. Uh, uh, there are factory sales in which, um, like, uh, you go to. Uh, you used to be able to go to like a budget rental and then buy the car that yeah. that uh, that you wanted. Yeah, they they kind of what... they put a stop to that after a while because they they uh, the dealerships and uh, uh, the factories rather not the dealerships the factories would sell these cars to the to the rental agencies for a. Deeply discounted price because sure. they're buying, you know, fifty of their cars. Uh, they'd buy them at a discounted price, and then they would turn around and sell them 
for a lesser price than the you know like the Ford dealerships are selling for. The Ford factory sells to the Ford dealerships as well as you know the rental cars. So you're undercutting the exactly. manufacturer then. And so the manufacturer said, "We well, need to stop that." So now they they started uh, buying back their cars from the rental agency for a different price. They kind of almost traded them straight across, and then they run them through uh, run them through the auction, and wow. then only Ford dealers can buy those cars. That's crazy because that's where, as a kid, that's where all the family cars came from. My dad had a guy at the Hertz or the budget or whatever. He had a guy that he had a guy that was a broker just in uh, rental cars. Yeah, and so that guy worked with all the different rental car companies, and he had a lot just full of like. Mm-hmm. Year old rental cars, exactly. And so brand pick up a new, car and, with nine thousand miles on it, or whatever, got them and then, for cheap, absolutely. Oh wow, so that's, they don't do that anymore. No, nope. oh. now now we have uh, uh, commercial auctions. Is that right? Yeah, commercial sales. We have uh, uh, we have used car sales. We have trade ins. We have uh, cars that come down from Canada, uh, and they just they run on these different lanes. And then the dealers figure out which lane that they should be in. You know, they got they got just random dealer lanes for like five of their lanes, and then these these ones are factory cars. And then these ones are are uh, Canadian cars that came over the border, so they know which cars they can and want to bid on, which cars they can't and don't want to bid on, and then they just kind of stick around those lanes. How the hell do you coordinate ten? Like, where's the facility for this? How do you do ten lanes is, worth of stuff? That is down in Kent. It is uh, right off of the main drag. They're right off of Central. Wow, man. And and they have a fleet of people that are working down there, all of which, you know, they have uh, a bunch of drivers down there. They have people that are coordinating specific lanes that are saying, okay, this car needs to go now, this car needs to go now. And then they got somebody who's working up front that is directing cars to the lane that they need to go to. Everything's stickered so that it says this is lane four's car number 25, and then it goes to lane four and then runs. Well, you think the guys that run... Paint in the grass or whatever, or summer camp. <laughs> Those guys are working hard. That sounds like a crazy yeah, thing. Buddy. How often are these things? This is a weekly auction. Holy crap! So every do- Wednesday, rolling through eleven hundred. Would say a thousand cars every Wednesday. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And that's just for Western Washington, right? That's right. That is just for Western Washington, and and this company has auctions all over the nation. And yeah. So there's fact- a Portland, a Sacramento, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Las Vegas, Dallas, Denver. Yeah. Now is this is this a company that your family then would work with to do this, or the one that you started, or like are you hired as auctioneers to come in and handle this? Yeah, you know what? That's a part of it that I haven't really, uh, really fully understood. Uh, we we are hired by the auction to come in, and a lot like radio stations, you go to one, you go to an auction and ask for a job, they're not hiring. <laughs> so you got to walk in and just kind of watch the auction for a while, and then after a while they say, you know what, this guy's been standing around. Maybe we can get him to to spot some bids, which is just kind of look for the bids that the auctioneer can't see. And then after a while, you know, some auctioneer gets sick, and he's like, well, I just brought my microphone just handedly, and so then he gets up on the block and then he starts working. Wow, so, weird. Yeah, cutthroat business, man. That's crazy. So you guys just carry microphones in your pockets? Absolutely. What? Mine's in my car. Are you serious? <laughs> yes. I'm serious. I got a little headset mic down in my car. Oh, just, in, just in case someone's like, man, we're short-handed. That's and you're right. Like, Here I am. Or I need a break. It's like, okay, I'm set. I'm well, good to go. This is crazy. Okay. this um. You mentioned a few things here. You mentioned uh, at the auction barn, you got ring something or other, clerks. Mm-hmm. Um, Ringman and clerks. Okay. So when you start as a kid doing this, where do you start? 
Uh, I personally started as a ringman, and what a ringman is uh, uh, more commonly known as is a bid spotter, but he's much more than a bid spotter. And and what he does is if the auctioneer is looking to his left and asking for bids over here, somebody might be bidding to his right, and the ringman's job is to notice that and get the auctioneer's attention. They're usually yelling yup or hey or yes or I've got it or something like that. Does every uh, does everyone kind of have their own thing to keep yeah, the... Do you, do you try and be yelling a different thing than the guy next to you so that way auctioneer sees you? Uh, well, no, because he's just going to hear that it's that, that it's to his right and then he's going to look to his right. He's generally got one to his left and one to his right. If he hears one to his left, he looks to his left and hey, there's the bid and, and then same thing to his right. So uh, as far as their own universal thing to shout, no, not so much. It's just it's kind of a universal yup or, or really whatever you feel comfortable with, with shouting just to get his attention. Uh, but but uh, the ringman's job is also to be an extension of the hand of the auctioneer. You know, if, if uh, uh, he's trying to get, get the person to bid and they're, they're looking at their friends, they're all conversing, it's the ringman's job to go out there and say, hey, pardon me, you guys are out. We need you to go $12,000, which is always uncomfortable. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> Want to spend more money than I'll make in a year, please? You know? Uh, but... Uh, I, I also uh, keep a book, make sure that I know uh, how much an item sold for and who bought it. Um, the time of the auction. Now, this is all charity auctions that I'm doing. This as far as as far as the car auction, it's my job to make sure that the cars uh, show up and leave when they need to. You know, because again, these drivers they'll fall asleep at the wheel and then just the, they won't know when to leave. And so I tap on the car, get them to get them to drive out, uh, as well as coaxing bidders into into feeling like they want to buy the car. Wow, that's crazy. Do you do you build relationships with the people that are out there? Like, do you know like some of the? Let's say you're doing cars. Do you end up knowing some of the dealership guys that are out there, and they're like, uh, so they know they can tell you what to pay attention for or anything? Is there that Absolutely. type of bonding? How does Absolutely. that work? Uh, it just kind of gets established over time. You know, you start learning names, you start learning what they're buying, and and what kind of a buyer that they are. You know, is this a guy that's that's got his price and he knows what he needs to get for for a car or what he wants to buy this car for? And and then there are those guys that that undercut you you know i've i've had guys where i've i've seen their uh the the auctioneer is asking twelve thousand dollars he'll say i'll give you eight thousand for it and i can't do more than eight and then the auctioneer will get a bit at ten and then mr i can't do more than eight buys the thing at like eleven five yeah so you know you get that guy that just he cuts you down and tells you that he can't do anything and yet he'll buy the car so you do you you do get those relationships, and I've got plenty of friends that are dealers down at that auction, and, and you know we we're happy to see each other. We shake hands, we hug, we have coffee in the morning, and then we just go. It, it's all just business, you know. Wow, does it get ugly? So, does it get ugly? <laughs> Rarely, but it does happen uh, because people will will cheat. Really, I, I they'll they'll try to back out of a car. You know, I wasn't bit, and the thing is that these guys are not your average bidder. They're not your. Here's my piece of paper, and I want to bid on the car. Yeah. They'll they'll raise a finger, they'll nod, they'll they'll raise their eyebrows, or they'll wink at you. Yeah. And then every now and again, you'll get one that'll that'll do this for a bid. And I don't know why I just said this on a, on a podcast, but he'll he'll like scratch his chest as in in a finger that kind of says I'm coming. You know. And and then we'll take his bid, and then he buys the car, and he had no intention of buying the car. He didn't want it. He says, "No, no, I was just scratching my chest." It's like, no, you you looked me dead in the eye, and then made a movement that said that you wanted to bid. So that happens Scandal. at times. Scandal. It happens all the time. These dealers will run each other up. You know, they'll notice that uh, Mark's bidding, and and he doesn't like Mark at all, but he knows that he'll buy it for eleven grand, and he's only at ten, so he'll run him all the way up to eleven grand and walk away from the car. So, what a cruel business! Absolutely, man. man. 
Absolutely. It's a used car dealer's auction, man. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, mean, I guess you got to know what you're expecting there, huh? Uh, what, is the, uh, what does the clerk do? A clerk is, uh, uh, she is arguably the most important member of an auction because she is the one making sure that who needs to get paid gets paid and who needs to pay pays. You know, when the auctioneer says, sold it, $12,000, bidder number 152, it is her job to say it was sold for $12,000 to bidder number 152. That way it is in the system, it is in the computer, he bought this car, or he bought this item, whatever it is. That way that the auction gets the money that it needs, and the people pay for the cars that they need, and they get the cars that they need. Weird. So, yeah. So that she's she's the one, I say she, again, those, those are those those gender stereotypes. It's generally a woman that's doing it because, quite frankly, guys, we suck at numbers. So they just they keep books better than we do. I, I want to be like that sexist, but I'm terrible at numbers and forgetful <laughs> as hell. So I can't even like, I can't really chime out because you'll be like, well, I'll prove it. And I'm like, okay. Okay. Um, what kind of trouble have you ever gotten into? Like, have you made mistakes where people are super hacked off at you or uh, where your dad has to take you aside and be like, hey, kid, you can't. You, you got to learn <laughs> uh, to do this. Let me think of what we got there. You know, when... Um, it doesn't have to be you specifically. It could be you see sure. someone get hollered at. Um, dealers will get will get upset. And, and again, I always go back to dealers because I hardly ever run into trouble at a benefit auction. Everybody's drunk and having a good time. Yeah. So there's no there's no trouble. That to be filet had. was delicious. That's right. But the trouble that you get into into like an auto auction is a dealer needs to have. This, I I had this one dealer. He comes up to me and his car's rolling up. He comes up to me and says, "Hey, this is my car coming up here." He says, "I need to get like fifteen grand for it." He says, "Just start it at like eight thousand dollars and run it up." Right. So, or or something. Like, he said, "Start it at twelve and 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 see where it goes." Yeah. The auctioneer. Opened it up at 12, broke it down to 8, broke it down to 4, couldn't get a bid. He got it at 41, 42, 43, and he's looking around for 43. He got three bids on the thing for a fraction of the price that he's looking for, and he just ran the car out. It was a no-sale because he needed to get 15 grand for it, and he wasn't anywhere close. We just ran the car out. The auctioneer you know, just kind of uh, uh, baps me on the shoulder and says, well, I told you to start it at 8. What are you guys doing about it? And it's like... It's- we couldn't get a bid for a fraction of the price, okay? Yeah. So it, if we started it up that high, it wasn't going to get a bid either. So, you know, they'll – and they do try to muscle you a little bit because they, they are not afraid of making you feel bad because yeah. it'll get them what they want. Well, because they're, they're salesmen of that nature. Exactly. Like that's like uh, – But as far as like uh, uh, up at the top trouble, you know, where, where the manager has to call me, I'm like, Mike, what are you doing? I, I've, I've yet to run into that on the auction side of it. Knock on wood. Uh, I mean, because like it's very, it's very, it's very clear here. You can't like on the radio. You just can't drop an f bomb. That's just like right. That gets you called into the boss's office. Yeah, that's that. Or you can't like not play the commercials. Like there's like very simple, straightforward things. So, uh, you know, now that now you say something like that, uh, taking an offer for a car that is just unreasonable. You know, if uh, taking an offer is is the dealer has sent the car to the auction, says I got to get fifteen grand for it. And then he sells it to where he's not able to say, "Hey, I've got twelve five. You want to you want to make the sale?" And then they can say yes or no. Uh, sometimes uh, auctioneers will will put offers on it to where we have somebody in a booth that will call up the dealer and say, "Hey, I got twelve five for that car. Are we willing to sell it there?" Um, but there are times when auctioneers will will take a take an offer for way too low, 
where it's just unreasonable and then the guy in our offer booth is just wasting his time, you know, for a car that that needs to sell for $15,000 and he's got an offer at 8, that's wasting his time. There's too, there's too many other cars that he could be because he gets hundreds of offers a day that he needs to call up these dealers and and figure out if they're willing to fill in, willing to settle on this or if they've got to have a little bit more, you know, if they could fight him a little bit, but when it's that big of a big of a gap, it just it doesn't make any sense for him to uh, to to put it on an offer. So are there celebrities? Are there stars of the auction world? Of the auction world, yes. I thought you were going to ask if there were celebrities that, that are auctioneers, and, and that is also a yes. But um, well, we'll do both. Let's do. <laughs> first of all, tell me what celebrities are auctioneers well, and in what capacity. First out upstairs, I know Taryn Daly is an auctioneer. Up, what up at KISW? Yes, I had she, no idea. She's done auctions a little bit. At least she says she has. I haven't seen her auctioneer yet, but she she says she does. I I personally am an auctioneer. Uh, there's a there's a gentleman by the name of uh, John Curley, who is an auctioneer that that is of celebrity status. I forget entirely who he is, but uh, uh, he he's a celebrity auctioneer. And, and other than that, I don't know of any any you know like movie stars that that are out as as an auctioneer or singers that are out as an auctioneer or anything like that. But celebrities of the auction world, there's one that I keep hearing of. His name is Ralph Wade, who was a mega auctioneer. There's Letitia Fry, who I've heard is a, is a mega auctioneer. Um, and there, there are auctioneering championships. There are auctioneering contests, and 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 I've met a couple. couple wow, you can compete! Absolutely, there there is the the Western Livestock Auctioneering Championship, which I believe is the videos that that were used for the the hip hop. There's the International Auctioneers Champion, I believe, is what it's called. There, the, yeah, there's auctioneering competitions all over the place, and I actually work with a with a three time uh, world champion auctioneer and a and a gentleman who just recently won his his auctioneering championships. So. Oh my god! Yeah, so you're working with some serious pedigree. That's right, I'm working with some <laughs> top tier auctioneers, man. Now I didn't know um, if it was an American thing, if auctioneering like square dancing is an American idea or not. But I had my my buddy Ross, a British guy, in here, and I was like, "Do you guys have auctioneering?" And he was like, "Oh yeah, yeah." So like, you can never understand a damn word any of them are saying, and sometimes you can understand the price. <laughs> then I started thinking about like other cultures. Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard of like a, of a Japanese auction? I have actually. I was just about to bring that one up. I forget. Uh, I saw it on a TV show. I think it was that world's biggest tuna or whatever it was, but they were selling them at auction at a, at a <sighs> Japanese market, and I can't understand Japanese in the first place and sure. so I couldn't couldn't even come close to understanding a Japanese auctioneer but <laughs> it's all kind of the same thing they're just asking for a price and they're just trying to do it in a rapid fashion so that's crazy man but yeah well to be able to compete like I'm looking at you right now and you've got a hat on that says Western College of Auctioneering yep. just graduated um, last month Billings Montana mm-hmm. did you like online study or something like that I know you've been working here so how did you <laughs> uh, it is a 10 day course over in Billings Montana cool uh, they do send you a little bit of, of material to, to practice they send you a couple tongue twisters they send you some number drills to work on and some audio files to show you how exactly it's supposed to go uh, and then you go over there and then you spend a 10 grueling intense days uh, trying to become an auctioneer learning a rhythm learning the numbers going back and forth and back and forth and getting in front of people and, and selling items and learning where you need to where you need Need to work and how numbers need to go. So, so what's the difference between having gone to auctioneering college now? You can say what's different than before you did it. Uh, I'm I'm more adept at how to say different numbers. Uh, I've I've learned a tempo. 
I've I've learned to keep a tempo, whereas before I was just kind of trying to go as fast as I could because that's what auctioneers do. They talk really fast. Yeah. And so I was trying to talk as fast as I could, whereas now I just try to keep a tempo with it. And and I learned a little bit more about the politics of auctioneering, and I learned the different types of auctioneering and how you go about doing those those types of auctions. So wow. Well, like, give me like a couple examples of uh, pretty different types of auctions where you'd need uh, to know the different types. <laughs> uh, there, there's a video online of, of one of my instructors, and I've known him since I was five years old. His name is Jeff Stokes. Very, very talented auctioneer and and an incredibly energetic and and uh, great instructor. And he went through the different types of auctions, and he actually did the different kinds of auction chants, which I can't do to save my life. Okay. But he said the the auction style depends entirely on what kind of auction that you're having. You know, if you were at an art auction, then then the auctioneer would chant very slow. He'd say, "Okay, and I've got one thousand dollars now. Somebody give fifteen or two thousand dollars. I've got two thousand dollars bid, and now three thousand. Right? It's it's very slow. It's very methodical it still has that kind of a tempo but it's it's very slow very broad and when they're paying the prices that they're paying you really need to say how much they're spending because if they're spending four hundred and fifteen thousand dollars on a painting you they need to know that they are about to spend four hundred and fifteen thousand dollars on a painting whereas uh with an auto auction like i said then you get that you get that faster pace that 14 and a one but a bit not one and not two but a bit not three and not five but a bit not six and not seven but a bit eight and nine right it just goes fast because you're trying to crank out these cars as fast as you can because they don't need the pomp and circumstance of like a charity auction which the auctioneer will be I've got five hundred dollars here now somebody give one thousand I need one thousand dollars I got five hundred here somebody give one one thousand has been enough fifteen right so it's it's very grand it's very energetic and entertaining is is the purpose of a charity auction so like like I said, when when you're doing these auctions, you need to figure out why you're doing them. You know, whereas at a, at a car auction, these guys are here to do business, they're here to work, they're here to to find what's going to make them a living. So they need to move it quickly. They don't care about the 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 style of the chant or how pretty he sounds or how entertaining he is. They need to get cars in and out. Whereas at a benefit auction, this is a show, this is a performance. Everybody's drinking wine, they're gowned up. They're... You want them to come back next year. Exactly. You want to have a good event for next year, so you do have that big booming and grand. And here we are. We're at the auction. And we're going to raise money for, for Boys and Girls Club or JDRF or whatever your cause is for that night. Whereas you're at an art auction. Like I said, you need them to to know uh, how much they're spending. You're at a you're at a real estate auction, which everybody's trying trying to buy a house for as cheap as they can. Oh. You're at an antique auction. You know, uh, so you you gotta you gotta know what environment you're in and and have your chant reflect that. Wow, that's fascinating. Now, are there any minimum requirements? Like, what does it take to get up there and be an auctioneer? You just graduated right. recently from the Western College of Auctioneering in Billings, Montana, but you were doing it before that. Right. Some of it's who you know. Actually, a lot of it's who you know. Sure. Kind of like... Like anything fun. Right. Kind of like here in radio, you know, so sometimes who you know really helps you get there. Uh, uh, but really, the requirement for being an auctioneer is an auctioneer's license. How do you get that? Go to the DOL. <laughs> <laughs> they don't just do driver's licenses. You can also get an auctioneer's license, and you need to be insured. Oh. Yeah. they You, you need like a $5,000 insurance bond or something like that just in case somebody backs out of a bid, then... The item can get paid for, or whatever it is. Oh, fascinating! Yeah, and in the the twenty five to thirty years that my old man has been doing this, that has never happened. Oh wow! Okay, yeah. <laughs> so it is not a problem. So, as far as radio versus auctioneering, do you see it as a one or the other? Do you have one that you'd rather do, or can they coexist throughout I'm, life? I'm pretty sure they can coexist, uh, and I, that is entirely my goal because I do love doing auctioneering, and I love being on the radio. I, you know. 
I'm I'm trying to enjoy my life, and I and I'm sure I can marry the two because auctions generally happen in the morning, and my show's on in the afternoon. So, <laughs> you know, I, I I come in with my khakis and my button down on a Wednesday morning, and then I just go go regular dress with shorts and, and t-shirt the rest of the day you know uh the the benefit auctions i'm not generally doing a, a whole lot of events for the station on weekends so i can do benefit auctions on the weekends i just kind of marry the two and and make them work wow this is fascinating dude. <laughs> i want to come out and watch you do this sometime is that possible i think we can make that happen oh, i gotta feel we can make that happen i can i can see if i can pull some strings here dude thanks for coming in absolutely brother thanks for having me you've been listening to so you're in seattle with gregor Follow him on Twitter at HeyGregor. Find more episodes online at SoYou'reInSeattle.com. So You're in Seattle is a burrito butt production. Yeah, you're a good dog chowder. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage get cox internet powered by fiber with america's fastest download speeds it's internet built for tomorrow today cox always building better cox internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection speeds vary and are not guaranteed cox terms and other restrictions may apply analysis by ukulele speed test intelligence data fixed median download speeds usq3 2023